Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. And you can always find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, GoodPods, Pandora. Whatever you listen to podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As for our social media, I am on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as Let's Talk Micro, on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza, on X as Let's Talk Micro 1, and I have an email address which is letstalkmicro at outlook.com. So either via email or via social media, you can send any feedback, any suggestions. Those are always welcome and appreciated. And so please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, and if the app allows you to do so, please go ahead and leave a review. As always, I am grateful for your support. And if you haven't checked out the previous episode, please go ahead and do so. It was a great episode with Dr. Pei Joe, who's a professor of biochemistry at the Duke University School of Medicine. And he came to the podcast to talk about LPC-233, which is an LPXC inhibitor. And LPXC is an enzyme that's involved in the biosynthesis of lipid A. So he came to the podcast to talk about LPC-233, which is a compound that, show, that showed bactericidal activity against some gram-negative rods, which in the episode he talks about which organisms were tested against it and how did they do. He, he starts with an overview about gram-negative and gram-positive bacteria when it comes to the membrane, which is always a great refresher. Uh, he also talks about the challenges for developing LPXC inhibitor antibiotics. So overall, a great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. So those of you that work in, in the laboratory and, and maybe even in microbiology might be familiar with this order, which is the urinalysis with reflex to culture order. I think it's a very common order. We constantly see it in the lab. And, you know, when, when the urinalysis is positive, then it reflexes to a urine culture order. And then those of us in micro, and we go ahead and process that order. So this episode is a conversation about a different order, which is the urinalysis withhold. And the guest is Lisa Parlich. And Lisa, she is a medical lab scientist with experience in microbiology. And now she's an infection preventionist at the Northwestern Medicine System in Illinois. And she came to the podcast to talk about this order. And she starts with, with the basics, you know, and giving an overview about what a urinalysis with reflex to culture ordered is. She talks about what's considered a positive urine. And she talks about this order that they tried and they implemented actually in their hospital system in one of them on a specific patient population. So she gives details about this. And I think it was a very interesting conversation and in finding out how did this order do. And a lot of times, maybe some of you think about this, but when you're working in the lab and you're working all these cultures, and you might think, is this necessary? I mean, is this doing any good to the patient? So those are questions that sometimes, you know, they pop in our heads. And maybe as you're listening, maybe your hospital might be implementing this order, or you might be thinking about something like this. So I hope that it helps. Overall, great conversation with Lisa. It's always great, you know, chatting with a fellow medical laboratory scientist. And not only that, one in microbiology, 
would she work? I mean, when she was working as an MLS, she was at a large system. So she knows what we go through, you know, with the, with the large volume and, and processing all the samples. So I hope you like the episode. Let's go ahead and listen to it. So you know that I did an episode while I was at ID Week in Boston. And I like to do that. I always talk about posters, abstracts, you know, like it's always great meeting people, making connections and finding topics for the podcast. And this is one of those uh, moments. Like I actually, I was listening to an oral abstract and I thought it was a great topic, you know, especially for the medical laboratory scientists out there. So I approached her, you know, and I asked her if she was interested and she accepted. So here we are. So today we are here to talk about uh, a new urine culture order that was implemented in a hospital. And the guest is Lisa Parlich. Lisa, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So for the audience, uh, can you start with a quick introduction? Absolutely. So my name, as you mentioned, is Lisa. I graduated with a degree in clinical laboratory science, and I spent it about five and a half years working as a med tech in a central microbiology lab for a large healthcare system. So while I loved microbiology, I wanted to grow and to do a little more. So I went to grad school. I graduated with a master's in public health. And then in the summer of 2020, I started my career as an infection preventionist. And that's what I'm doing today. So I'm no longer in the lab, but micro still has a very special place in my heart. Yes. And, and we, you know, we kind of talked about this in, in Boston before, but, but yeah, for the audience out there, that's also, you know, a possible way that if you are as a medical lab, lab scientist, sometimes, you know, you can go different ways and that, you know, that's one of them. If you're interested in sometimes maybe working a little bit outside of the lab but still connected with it. So you definitely, you're familiar with, you know, work, working as a microbiologist in a large facility, right? It's always a lot of samples, uh, a race against time, not an hour day, right? It's, it's nine, it's 10 sometimes, you know, you're just, hey, you know, I have this many cultures, I have to do them before I go home. You know, there's no one else to take over. So it's, that's, that's one of the, the challenges. Very fast paced, yep. You have a, a time to work, but it doesn't mean you always get to go home when the time is up. Correct. And 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 unfortunately, you know, it's such a great, great, you know, job. And 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 sometimes, you know, other medical lab scientists, you know, especially if they're going through school and or they start doing their clinicals or maybe they work a little bit in micro, that kind of drives them away a little bit because they're like, Hey, you know, I just I want to do my job and eight hours you have me, or that's it, I'm done. So it's a it's an ongoing challenge. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it has its own stresses and what job does it, but the lab was, I know, at least from my personal experience, it's particularly difficult, especially with all the short staffing and having to stay late. It was, it's a lot. It takes a very dedicated individual to stick with it. Indeed. Um, so, and this is something those of you that are in the audience, you know, and your medical lab scientists, working in micro, you're familiar with what I'm going to ask next, Next, but for the benefit of everyone in the audience, we, you know, we're going to start from the beginning. So there's a, a new analysis with reflex to culture order. Can you talk more about that and what's considered a positive urine? Yeah. So your analysis with reflex to culture, or as we say, UA with reflex, is a laboratory order that starts with the urinalysis. And then your analysis typically includes color, Clarity, glucose, bilirubin, um, ketones, specific gravity, blood, pH, 
protein, urobilinogen, nitrite, and leukocyte esterase. So there are specific criteria within that urinalysis that when positive, the order will reflex to a urine culture, which means that a urine culture will order automatically and will subsequently be set up and sent to the micro lab for further workup. Yes. And then, and, and I had actually a little bit of experience with this from the, you know, I, I, like I said, I work in a large facility as well. And before I, I graduated um, from an MLS program, I was working as a lab assistant. And I do remember that we used to get the urines with those orders, you know, you do your, your aliquot, let's say, you know, that goes to your analysis. If it's a big place where it's compartmentalized and then we will put an aliquot to a, a great top that has boric acid and we'll send that to micro and then you know we have like a pending log okay now this one it's reflexing and then we will go ahead and and set up the culture so when i was reading your your presentation uh you know this order is overutilized can you talk more about that yeah so to be honest overutilization of this order wasn't something that i truly understood until i began my role as an infection preventionist so in the micro lab, I feel like these orders for these cultures just kind of appeared at our at our benches, right? Whether they were reflexed or not. You know, we we set them up, we work them up, and then we carry on with our day, not really needing to understand the implication of the order. Now, today, I can tell you all about the overutilization of this order. So I'll start by making two points. One, to begin with, I hypothesize that the UA with reflex is a more desirable order among providers. Um, urine orders that are available differ among healthcare systems. But in mine, for example, we have three different tests. One is the UA with microscopic only, which quantitates the white blood cells, red blood cells, bacteria, epis, casts, and crystals. Or there's the UA with reflex, or there's a UA with reflex to microscopic, which coincidentally reflexes to culture as well. Um, but the UA with reflex, I think, is kind of more attractive in the fact that not only is it the full urinalysis performed, but the culture automatically reflexes if the UA is positive without any action needed from the ordering provider. Also, the second point I like to make is... That many providers are notorious for pan culturing. So in other words, a patient who demonstrates multiple symptoms like fever, elevated white blood cells, um, hypertension, et cetera, it's not uncommon to pan culture or test for everything. So a urinalysis and or urine cultures, blood cultures, respiratory cultures, in addition to some of the other laboratory orders, as a means to find an answer in a timely manner. This is really common in those who come in through the ED, a lot of these cultures come through on those patients. Um, so therefore, a high number of UA with reflux orders results in the potential for an increased number of reflux urine cultures. So I'd like to emphasize that I'm not a physician, um, but those are my two theories on overutilization. But now I'd like to talk about the appropriate indications for a urine culture. So urine cultures, as we all know, they are utilized for the diagnosis of urinary tract infections or UTIs and really should be ordered when the patient presents with signs or symptoms of UTI. So that being said, the UA with reflex is great if the patient truly has a UTI. For example, a patient presents with UTI symptoms, a, UTA, or a UA with reflex is collected, and the UA results with one or more of the reflex criteria. For example, at my facility, 
is increased white blood cells, leukocyte esterase, and or the presence of bacteria. So this UA would reflect to a culture, and the provider can treat the patient appropriately based off the results of that urine culture if they proceed with the diagnosis of a UTI. So now think about all of the UA with reflex orders being performed on patients who do not have a UTI. So if you recall, like I said, at my facility, a positive UA that would reflex to a urine culture um, would need at least one of the following criteria. Greater than eight white blood cells, positive leukoesterase, leukocyte esterase, or the presence of moderate to many bacteria. So these criteria are not sole indications of a UTI, and they may be representative of a different clinical picture or a clinical diagnosis. So for example, we may see the presence of bacteria in a UA because the specimen collection was dirty, or white blood cells might be elevated due to some sort of inflammatory process. So urine cultures are being ordered on all of these UAs, where one of those criteria flagged is positive or abnormal, and that results in a large number of cultures getting sent to the lab for workup. So not only could this cause an inundation to the lab, but it also raises concern for overdiagnosis and overtreatment of UTI. And what I mean is just because there's bacterial growth on a urine culture, it's not always indicative of a UTI. For example, patients may have asymptomatic bacteria, which is the presence of bacteria in the urine, but the patient does not have any signs or symptoms of infection. And this becomes more common with old age. Um, asymptomatic bacteria is not an appropriate indication for antimicrobial treatment. Another example is that urine, culture, urine cultures may be contaminated with skin or gastrointestinal flora. And again, not an appropriate um, indication for antimicrobial treatment. So those of you who work in micro or have experience working up these urine cultures also know that um, cultures with organisms with a growth greater than or equal to a certain quantity get susceptibility testing regardless of the patient diagnosis. So the problem with that is these susceptibility reports get released and the provider may or may not decide to treat the patient based off of the culture and the susceptibility results. Again, that's not always the case, but it's definitely not unheard of. Um, more or less, that's the overtreatment and overdiagnoses that we'd like to avoid. Well, I like that. I mean, I like the fact that you're shining more light um, towards a little bit of what goes out, outside of the lab. And, and But, you know, we do, from what we see in the lab, we do identify it. And it's like a cascade of events because you get that culture and then something is growing and then you report it. And then even if sometimes we get, even if it doesn't meet the guidelines for susceptibilities, let's say, like it's like, you know, like less than 10,000 uh, CFUs per ml, or, you know, we still then get a request, you know, please do susceptibilities for that. Exactly. Yeah, I have to remember that for, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes, you know, we do those susceptibilities and then we get a request for a drug that will probably be used, you know, doing for like an MDRO organism. So you have this susceptible profile and here you are getting a requesting something and and those cases yeah when when you have you know three or more organisms um then you get the request you know please speciate and do susceptibilities on those so it's like a lot of those cultures yeah you kind of you get to the point especially and you tend to identify you know wh who requests a lot of those things so you're kind of running in your mind you know i'm seeing this i'm not supposed to work it up but let me subculture it that way because i know that request is going to bounce back real quick and 
and I'll have to do it. So it's, yeah. Stay ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes me think back to the, to my micro days and my urine bench days, like how many of those organisms that I was working up, how many of those susceptibility tests that I was running were actually really needed because working up hundreds of cultures a day, I don't think every single one of those patients had a UTI, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely. So that's something that yeah, we have to yeah, keep in mind and I know that the other thing too sometimes, you know, as tech, especially when we're getting started like we we go through this effort so sometimes, you know, we end up overworking things and over identifying things, over reporting and that adds to that cascade of over treatment and, and things like that. So now that we talked about the you know the the urinalysis with reflex to culture order, so let's go ahead and talk about this uh this new order and well, let your hospital to implement it. Sure. So I am by no means a creator of this order, nor is it a novel order. However, it was new to the five hospitals that underwent this implementation for my project. So this order, the UA withhold, um, was first executed at our largest hospital, the Academic Medical Center, back in 2016. And then our second largest hospital um, implemented it in January of 2020. So I joined the team in June of 2020, in the first few months of the pandemic. Fast forward to 2022, as we all know, COVID wreaked absolute havoc on healthcare. Hospitals were consistently at surge status or accommodating more patients than they had bed for. Um, procedural areas had to catch up on all the non-essential procedures and operations that were canceled or delayed due to the pandemic. Facilities dealt and continue to deal with high turnover rates and being short-staffed, which ultimately can lack in adherence to facility policies and procedures and, and all this mess. But where the UA withhold comes into play is that our CAUTI incidents increase significantly. So what is CAUTI? CAUTI stands for Catheter-Associated Urinary Tract Infection. And CAUTIs are one of the numerous hospital-acquired infections that hospitals are required to track and report to NHSM. So in a perfect world, hospitals shouldn't have patients with hospital-acquired infections. I mean, patients come to the hospital to get better, not sicker, right? But unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. So as infection preventionists, it's our duty to partner with our clinical staff to develop or implement practices, initiatives, procedures, et cetera, to help prevent the onset of these hospital-acquired infections in our patients. So that being said, now going back to the system-wide implementation of the UA withhold, due to the uncharacteristically high incidence of CAUTIs in the system, and really hospitals throughout the world, really, um, the idea of expanding the UA withhold to five additional acute care hospitals in our system was born. So in January of 2021, I started the implementation process. And by the end of January, or, I'm sorry, by the end of December 2021, it was live and fully functioning. So how does it compare to the reflex to culture order? So it's similar in the fact that a urinalysis is completed first. But one way that it differs is that in a UA with reflex, it is considered positive with the criteria of greater than eight white blood cells, positive leukocyte esterase, or moderate bacteria. Again, those criteria differ among hospitals and systems, but that's what we use in my system. So with the UA withhold, the UA is considered positive only when there are greater than 10 white blood cells. 
the biggest difference is that with the UA withhold, instead of automatically reflexing to your own culture, if the UA flags is positive, the ordering provider is provided an option to add on the urine culture if the UA flags is positive. Essentially, it prompts the provider to review the UA results prior to making a decision to add on a urine culture and to add it on if clinically indicated. Therefore, the goal of the project is to ensure appropriate utilization of urine cultures based off of the patient's clinical presentation. Okay, and it kind of brings to mind, do they have, is that like a like a time frame for them to your, hold this culture. I mean, those of you that work in, in a hospital, you know that the samples, you know, they're held sometimes, you know, a lot of urines, maybe like every two days, depending sometimes some places might go seven days. So is there maybe like a time limit where they can actually order this culture? Yeah, great question. The providers have 48 hours to decide if they want to pro, um, proceed with the urine culture or not. The lab will hold that extra urine for 48 hours once it's ordered. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's like a typical standard and when it comes to like some sort of reflex order. I mean, okay. And uh, I was reading also about those, there's some exclusion criteria for patients. So let's talk about the patient population that this order applies to and then what patient population is excluded from it. Sure. So the order right now is only being utilized by the critical care population or the patients in the ICU. So it does not apply to other populations like med surge or pediatrics um, or just the general population. It also does not apply to patients who are undergoing a urologic procedure, who are neutropenic or who are pregnant. Maybe one day we can expand to the rest of the units. I know there's kind of an ask and a want for it. Um, but that's something that, you know, we're going to have to take some time and collect some more data um, and kind of partner with pharmacy on that, actually, to make sure that our, our utilization of antibiotics is is going the way we want. Okay. And uh, so as far as how it how it works, I mean, I know that right as they're ordering, they have to answer some questions. Can you talk more about that? So the order for any patient who's designated as critical care or if they're located in the ICU, when a provider tries to place a urinalysis order, the only option they are provided is a UA withhold or the UA with microscopic only. So the UA with reflex and standalone urine cultures are not available to order on these patients in this population, unless, as I mentioned, the patient is pregnant, neutropenic, or undergoing a urologic procedure. So once the UA withhold is ordered, two urine specimens are collected, one in a cup for the UA and another in a boric acid tube for the potential culture. The specimens are sent to the lab, the UA was run, and the boric acid tube is held in micro. So as I mentioned previously, the boric acid tube is then held for 48 hours. Therefore, the ordering provider has those 48 hours to decide. If not, the lab will decide, dispose of the boric acid tube. So the UA is run, and if the results are positive or greater than 10 white blood cells, then a pop-up appears in the patient's chart um, along with the UA result, notifying the provider that it is positive and that they have the option to add on a urine culture if they find it clinically indicated. Okay. And, um, you know, like, like anything, um, any project, anything that's implemented, there are always, you know, challenges, some things work well, some, some don't. And, um, so in this case, you know, what, what was challenging and, you know, what worked well and what didn't? There, honestly, there have been more challenges behind the scenes rather than with the order itself, luckily. 
Um, again, this order was already built in Epic, which is the platform that we use because the two other hospitals were already utilizing this order. So essentially our, our information services team just had to make it go live at these other hospitals. There were some last minute issues with laboratory validation of the order. And by last minute, I mean just a few days before we were supposed to go live, these issues came up. So we had to delay our go live by about a week. Um, and then the communication across the numerous departments involved as well as across five different hospitals was extremely challenging. And as I mentioned, I started this process in January of 2022, and it didn't go live until December. So 12 months in the making. Um, and this was my first large scale project in my role as well. So I, I pretty quickly learned that initiatives of the scale take time and a whole lot of patience. Um, after Go Live, I had some issues with the data collection and getting our the platform that we use to correctly gather all of the UA withhold order information from Epic. So it took many months, many, many months to work out the kinks and then manually, I had to manually validate the data. So it was a long and tedious process from start to finish, but overall it was an incredible learning experience to say the least. Um, I have zero regrets, but like I said, now that we have this in our five hospital critical care units, um, if we want to move forward with implementing it into the other units, it should probably go a lot smoother. Okay. And I mean, it was interesting hearing you say working with, with Epic, we know we use Epic as well. And this is just on a, more of a, on a side note. I mean, from my perspective, yeah, I, I, at the beginning it was a little challenging getting used to it, like anything new, I guess, but for me, you know, as, as a, cause I'm the quality control lead. And, and for me, that really works well. Like I can see everything in one place and. So anyway, yeah, it was just interesting hearing about. So you had some challenges when it came, when it came to that. You know, as I was reading, that, so I see that you know, if the urine is negative, a culture can still be ordered with an override reason, and that's something that was interesting because sometimes you know when we try to limit a test being ordered, and you know we build some restrictions in place, like you know we do it in our hospital with with um, ova and parasite tests, they were being overordered, so they had to ask some questions and. But overall, if there's a way around it, uh, a lot of times, you know, you start seeing a, a huge increase in disorders. Um, do you notice this with, with, with the overrides? Were you getting a lot of these or not? Yeah. So to begin with, um, let's just kind of explain it. They, if the UA results is negative or if the white blood cells are less than 10 and the provider attempts to order a urine culture, yes, they are able to. But an override reason must be selected for the ordering provider before the culture can be ordered. And like you said, some of these tests have that. Um, and we're the point of this is not to be a hard stop from providers ordering these urine cultures, um, because there are certain instances where you know they have to. There's there's specific reasoning for them to order these cultures, so we want to provide that opportunity. Um, this test more so is a soft stop. From these, from these cultures being ordered. So we did make it so it's hopefully still accommodating that population of patients who may have an actual UTI. So this list of override reasons includes new urgency, frequency, dysuria, hematuria, flank or costovertebral angle tenderness, or 
newer worsening sepsis without an alternative diagnosis or fever or altered mental status without an alternative diagnosis. So these signs and symptoms are CDC definitions of UTI symptoms, thus allowing the provider to proceed with a culture if the patient is truly presenting with signs or symptoms of a UTI, despite the white blood cells not being flagged as abnormal. So have I seen a lot of these? No, surprisingly, not really. Um, thus far, I've collected data from the first three quarters of 2023, so January through September, and approximately 3% of the urine cultures that were added on were via the override reasons. Okay, yeah, and I, and I understand. Yeah, there are definitely cases where and sometimes... You know, depending on the test, it's just like you might see an increase depending on on the order and then the reasons. And then that happened to us, actually, when we switched to Epic, actually, the previous restrictions, they went off and we started seeing all the OMPs getting up again. And then we had to start working on that. So overall, with this order, what has been the impact of it? Good question. So keep in mind, um, these five hospitals are the smaller Ish community hospitals in the system, and that the order only applies to the critical care population. So the data set isn't incredibly large, but it's not small by any means either. So from January to September, quarters one through three, there have been a total number of 515 UA withhold orders placed on our critical care patients, with 142 of those having positive UAs. So that's 28% of the total orders that have positive UAs. 45 of those 142 had a urine culture added on. So 32% of the positive UAs, the provider proceeded with a urine culture. So if you're following along with the math, that means there was 373 negative UAs. Considering positive UAs that did not proceed with adding on urine cultures, that's 97 unnecessary urine cultures that have been avoided in this period of time. So it may not seem like a lot, but the number does add up over time. Also, regardless of the number, an avoided culture is an avoided culture. Also, it's an avoidance of a potential overtreatment of a non-UTI. Um, it's an avoided laboratory testing. And something that I wish that I had as a lab tech, it's time gained back by laboratory personnel, receiving, setting up, working up, susceptibility testing for these cultures. So I still have nightmares to this day about some of those urine cultures that I worked up back in the day. But I digress. Um, in, in addition to the order data in this time frame, um, there has been one CAUTI reported among all of the five ICUs. And to put that into perspective, last year, from the same time period, January to September, there was a total of five CAUTIs reported among these five hospital ICUs. So it's been an improvement so far. And I'd like to say personally that the order is making a positive impact and is achieving the original goal of the implementation, which is to focus on improved patient care, to reduce overall costs, um, to reduce inappropriate antibiotic usage, and ultimately result in better patient outcomes. Definitely, yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, definitely a, a better patient outcome. It's yeah, it's it's the goal, and 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 yeah, if we can reduce you know the antibiotic, which is a reality, and and you know there's definitely AMR is a very serious issue, and and if we can contribute to that, so 
yeah, this was definitely like a little bit of a of a trending topic at and at ID Week, and definitely a lot of posters about uh, treating treatment guidelines for UTIs, and sometimes maybe those not being met and patients being overtreated. And as I was doing my walk around, walking through all the posters, which there were so many, and I said this on the live episode, I barely made a dent. Um, yeah, it was like a very trending topic. Um, is there anything else that you want to add? I think I've rambled on quite a bit about this topic, but I just want to make a comment on, on what you're saying. Um, yeah, first of all, that was my first ID week as well, and it was mind blowing. It was amazing, amazing. And like you said in your in your podcast, you recommend if anybody has the opportunity to go, absolutely do it. It was incredible. Um, but you know, like you stated, antibiotic usage is such a hot topic these days, and it's so so important, so important. And I know that my the next project that I want to take on with this is taking the antibiotic usage data from this order to see how, you know, we're seeing a reduction in urine cultures, um, but I want to see how a, the, the antibiotic use is impacted by this order as well. So I know our, um, our pharmacy department at my hospital, they're fantastic, our antimicrobial stewardship team are fantastic and they they already have their own projects in place um especially a big one coming up on asymptomatic bacteria as, as i mentioned before but um i'm hoping that we can get something out of this as well but again that was just a side note is you, you brought it up a very important point so i just wanted to add to that but as far as the order um i don't have anything else to add unless you have any other questions for me um no i think that the, you know i think we i cover them all and and this has definitely been great and very um, hopefully people in the audience, if you're thinking of maybe doing something like this, or you might already be doing it. And now you say, okay, maybe someone else is doing it out there. And so it's always, you know, great about hearing about what people are doing and, you know, for the better of the patients and, and for improving things. And, you know, it's definitely great talking to a fellow MLS and especially, you know, one that understands, you know, what we go through and, and what is working in a, in a micro lab and, and, and we do get that feeling. Yes, we share sometimes, you know, when we are putting some results out there and we're like, okay, yeah, what is this doing? Am I doing good or am I not? And how is this going to affect the patient? And, and you know, where people over-report things and then you have to follow because you have no choice. And it does. Those things, you know, they do, they follow you home. I have a couple, um, couple instances I remembered leaving the lab in tears because something happened or something got messed up I mean, we're human but you know it's hard because we know as lab techs our importance um in the lab and our jobs and how it impacts our patients and it's really easy to take it to heart you know so i i feel for everyone out there i really do um but just know that at least what i've learned leaving the lab that while you're working in the lab you kind of you may or may not, but I know most people do have a feeling of feeling underappreciated or unrecognized or unheard of. But now that I'm out in the lab, I'm out on the floors, I'm in the units, I'm with, I'm working with physicians, know that your work is recognized and it is important. And these other clinical staff are recognizing that as well. So it's just something that you got to keep in mind and um, you may not hear it straight um, from these other providers and clinical staff, but they do care. That is very appreciated. And it's always, it's nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, I have talked to other guests and, you know, we coworkers and sometimes, yeah, unfortunately you tend 
to hear more about the negative and sometimes don't hear a lot about the positive. So it's refreshing when you hear that. So thank you. And, uh, you know, it's it's great talking to you and I appreciate you taking the time. And if you, in the future, you know, any any of these other projects, you're more than welcome to come back and, and we can talk about them. Well, thank you. As I said, I'm extremely flattered to be here. So I appreciate you reaching out and flagging me down at that massive conference. That must not have been easy. There's a lot of people there, but I truly appreciate it. And yeah, feel free to reconnect anytime. I'd, I'd be glad to talk some more. My pleasure. And that, my dear audience, is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy learning about this your analysis would hold order. As always, I enjoy sharing this information with you. It's always great, you know, meeting people, connecting with people, and this podcast has brought me that, and I am so grateful for it. You know, like I said, you know, I, I saw Lisa giving a presentation on ID Week, so I encourage you, if you have the time and the funds, Definitely take advantage of these conferences. You are going to like them. You know, you meet great people. You hear great talks. You see great posters. So it's a great experience. So highly encourage. As always, continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important. You do such great work. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episodes. And stay tuned for great things. So as always... Stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time, bye.